guys, welcome to Chef Grace's place. So today, uh, I have a very special guest. Her name is Jen, and we're going to talk a little bit about jujitsu. I know it's not a something I would typically talk about on this channel, but it does relate to food, <laughs> and uh, it's or lack of food sometimes. <laughs> but um, it's very uh, personal to me. About a, a couple weeks ago, uh, my twin brother saw this video of me on YouTube and was like, oh my God, I think this is you. And uh, it was a video of me from when I was like 14. Um, I was like, pretty much my whole life, I wanted to be a pastry chef, except for like two years where I was like, I'm going to be the first female fighter in the UFC <laughs> in middle school. Um, <laughs> and uh, like, it all started out because like my brother's a very good talker and uh, I, we're twins. So women grow faster than men. And um, so in like sixth grade, I was like the tallest kid in sixth grade. And my brother would say like the meanest things to me and like twist my words around and I have no comebacks. So I would just go for it. <laughs> so my father got upset that, uh, his son was getting beat up by his daughter, so he put my brother in jujitsu. And then I had no defense. And then my mom was like, well, this isn't fair. So she let me join jujitsu. Oh. And then we uh, started competing together. And like throughout high school, um, this is like early 2000s, we were like, you know, he was always in the top like 10 uh, guys grappling, and I was always in like the top five. So we just like really went for it. And um, you know, then I had a lot of problems with my family and my uh, father died and I wound up like, like the gym became like my home away from home. So to me, like pretty much my work ethic, work ethic and like, you know, pretty much like how I live my life, all those like mor the morals of the dojo and all that other stuff, it really like, <laughs> uh, you know, make me the person I am today. So um, I really advocate for like women to do martial arts because I think it just gives you so much confidence and it especially jujitsu it really shows you that like muscle strength isn't the only kind of strength <laughs> you know yeah so uh on that note <laughs> how do you get into uh jujitsu Jen um, so I had um, two uncles who were a few years older than me and then a younger brother, but like having two older uncles that I grew up with, the one was just three years older, older than me. And then the next one was only a few years older than that. And so just constantly being beat up by your two older like brothers per se. Um, and you just kind of get into that. Like you're always fighting. You're always doing this. You're always doing that. And so I started, um, like my fascination probably came out right around the time like UFC came out and things like that or the ultimate fighting championship. And so we had all started karate and we went through there. I went to get my brown belt and that was like when I was a teenager, but there wasn't any jujitsu schools where I lived because I am from a small town in Pennsylvania. And so it was always an interest for me, but it was never quite possible. Like I did the karate, which was a mix, um, of like boxing, kickboxing and things like that. But then when I moved out to Las Vegas 
in 04, it was still in the back of my head. And now I'm like uh, significantly older than a teenager, <laughs> you know, because I had um, two kids at that time. But it, just, it was always something I wanted to do. And so then my uncle, who was closest in age to me, he's like, let's just start it. So we found a gym um, and we started taking. Now, before that, my mom put my son in jujitsu. And so then I saw him for like a few years and I was like, this is what I want to be doing, you know? And so then when my uncle moved out and we were like, let's do it. And, and then we just started and fell in love with it ever since then. So I hear you're going to, you want to start a women's program or a school or? Yeah. So the gym that I'm at now, um, sometimes women come in and they get intimidated for whatever reason, because um, there are more guys, obviously, um, in the gym, in the program. And so we were talking, my coach and I were talking and eventually um, it's in the works. We're going to start a women's only class, which I think will be good because I first had knowledge, my daughter. So she is 17 now and I've encouraged her to come to some classes and she likes it, but she doesn't like the closeness with the guys. She's like, I just don't like being touched or this or that, like you're so close and things like that. And so um, I think it might help ease her into it and other um, younger girls and older girls who maybe just want to have the relaxing. I guess it's the same concept of like the gyms out here sometimes have like a women's only section where they can like go and it's all women and they don't have to worry about anything like that. So that's kind of our concept, like start a class. They're more than welcome to join the co-ed class. Uh, but some people, some women are more comfortable with all women, so. Yeah, and I feel like from my personal spirit, experience, unfortunately, um, you know, I really do think it's a good idea to have an all women's class, but I think you're kind of, you're also kind of kidding yourself if you think um, just training with only women is going to help you because Every time I, people have tried to sexually assault me, they have not been the, my size. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. a great point. And so we were actually just had this conversation at Jiu-Jitsu, like, what, what is your goal for joining here? Like, yeah, some people love to compete. Like, I'm one of those. I love to compete. Um, I think it helps me grow as a person, as an athlete, all that stuff. But the main reason you're doing Jiu-Jitsu overall is to protect yourself, protect your family. And so, yeah, you're going to come in contact with those uh, people that are bigger than you, they're stronger than you. And jujitsu is something that will help level the playing field for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I got out of a couple situations and, you know, it's just the thing about jujitsu is you're using the other person's momentum and their weight against them. You're using different, like, let like leverage basically. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just so helpful because if the person attacking you, I mean, if the person attacking you like also knows jujitsu and it's like 250 pounds, like <laughs> it's probably not gonna help that much, but <laughs> like you might catch them in a mistake or something. But when it comes to someone who's like not trained at all, like usually you're good and you can run and get out of there. You know, you yeah. a couple moves and run away. <laughs> yeah, 
and then you become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, which lets you get your bearings back and your like compose your thoughts like what do I need to do next in this situation, as opposed to just freaking out like I'm over this is like this is happening to me and that's that so yeah and a lot of. Um... You know, but the other thing where I really like the women's class is when you're training, you know, you always have the guys that they're muscling you around, which is, it's good for like, you know, once in a while when you're testing yourself and stuff like that. But when you're just trying to like drill and get the move down and like figure yeah. out how you got to position your body and stuff, like it's way more helpful to like have someone who understands what it's like to be so tiny, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, um, so like the belt rankings in jujitsu go like uh, white, blue, purple, brown, and black. And so the only times I ever get injured are rolling with white belt guys. I don't know, like, it's like a new concept to them. And sometimes like the ego can get the best of some people. And they're like, I'm not letting a girl beat me up or things like that. And that's all well and good, but like, I don't want to get injured because, you know, you, you're just wailing and flailing and obviously you're bigger and stronger than me. And I'm not trying just to like, if, if I'm focusing more on technique, than just trying to go crazy with you. Sometimes you can get like, a, like I've gotten a black guy twice before one time it lasted for, I think two months. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I remember I was, I wasn't even in this match <laughs> and uh, the other gym I was at like on Wednesdays, it was like, bring your friend to try it out day. And one of the white belts brought his other friend and I'm practicing like escaping from triangle chokes um, mm -hmm. over there. And I had posted my arm like real quick and they were the match next to me, the guy took him down onto my arm and fractured oh. my ulna and I was training to fight. I was going to do an MMA fight. Oh my gosh. Nope. <laughs> oh, that kind of canceled that out. It canceled that, that out. But yeah. But. So, I mean, sometimes, I mean, you only have so much mat space and when classes get full, like you have to be aware of your surroundings. And I know like when you compete, you have this like little square, and sometimes it's hard because if there's not many people on the mat, you're like here, you're there, you're everywhere. But when you're competing, they'll like stop you. Like, you know, you need to stay in your square. And so I think I think it's important for spatial awareness too. Like it's it's just so all encompassing. <laughs> when, when you're in a real fight, you wanna yeah. know what's around you. That's even more dangerous because there's- Yeah, because you don't wanna there. fall on something that can injure you more than the person coming yeah. at you. And you don't like, whenever I've been in, a real fight too you want to make sure you like my goal has always been to like either get away or uh, like isolate the person so they can't mm -hmm. move not to injure them you know maybe embarrass them <laughs> but, but uh you know hold them in that rear naked and be like what are you gonna do now but <laughs> but uh never to uh to actually like injure the person i think embarrassment is usually the best teacher <laughs> but yeah, do them so you don't get injured like yeah um, i know a friend of mine who takes jujitsu was in the casino one day and actually witnessed like a girl being abused by her boyfriend and so he totally stepped up and 
put a rear naked choke on the guy to subdue him and kind of de-escalated that situation. So it's super important for, for all aspects of your life to be able to have some of that knowledge where you can do some damage really quick, but you could also do a lot of damage if, if you need to, so. But also that you can have control over the amount of damage you wanna inflict because mm -hmm. that's another thing. People who aren't trained, they'll be like, you know, if they get lucky and they do land that like sucker punch, like yeah. sometimes, and then the guy lands on the floor and cracks his head open, like, yeah. It's better just to have more control over the situation. So that's what yeah. I go for. I agree with you. Yeah. No one wants to be sitting in jail for an accident. You know what I mean? No. Like, so I think <laughs> one, don't get in outside street fights. And then two, if you have to, just do the bare minimum to get yourself free. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the guys with the, I remember when I was a kid, because I, you know, I was doing this. Uh, like 12, 13, 14, probably, I probably stopped around 17. And they would always, it, would, it was a good idea because it would weed out the guys who couldn't let their ego go. But they, when they had, especially wrestlers come in from like college, they would go, all right, you're going to go up against Grace. And they would like, be like, what are you, what are you talking about? And like, <laughs> this is a 14 year old. And like, if you can beat her, then you can, uh, you can train here for free. But the wrestlers, whenever they would go for the double leg, they would leave their head down because they don't have to worry about getting choked in wrestling. Right. <laughs> so every time I would just get the guillotine and <laughs> get them in guard or just, you know, just finish them off with the guillotine. And then they would sign up for the year. <laughs> or they would get really mad and they would just storm out. And like, you don't want to train with those people anyway. So it was like, yeah. I actually had an experience just like that. There was a guy who was kind of new and uh, we went, we went around. And so I'm like thinking it's going to be like a relaxed match. Cause you know, you're kind of new, like, let's see, let's gauge each other. No, right. Shoot in for the double leg. And so I grabbed the guillotine held on super tight. And then, yeah, he ended up tapping, but I was like, well, then we'll get, then we're going to go this way, I guess, you know? So. So anyway, how many uh, competitions have you done? So I've done a bunch. I did Naga a few times because I know you had said your brother did Naga. And then um, I did some IBJJF ones. So I only did one when I was a white belt. And then um, I did some more as a blue belt, started liking it more, and then purple belt. Um, the last one I did was before quarantine. It was in December. It was Nogi Worlds. Um, and it actually won double gold at that, but at my level. So I'm purple belt. So oh, I'm yeah, actually purple belt now, but as a purple belt. Yeah. So how many matches, like how many people did you have to fight? Because so my division, it was only one girl. Um, and then the open weight, it was three, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So just four total. Open weight is, I don't know if they had that when I was competing. It's just any weight. Yeah. Any weight. Okay. I don't know if they have that in like smaller, like, I don't know if Naga has that, like the smaller tournaments. I know that the larger ones usually do. Actually, no, they do now. It's probably a newer thing. Yeah. And now we're going to get to the food questions. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I heard you saying earlier about lack of eating and 
yeah, so the first uh, blue belt competition I did, um, I don't know, in my mind, I'm like, I've always had weight issues. Like if I eat a meal, I can gain like five pounds in one meal. And so in my mind, I'm like, if I do a smaller weight class, I'm going to be way stronger than those girls. Okay. <laughs> so, but then I'm like, I have to actually be that weight myself. And so, um, that blue belt competition I did, I think it was literally like two days. I don't think I ate at all. I had like ice pops and that was it. And so by the time I got in there, um, I lost my first match, won the second one, lost the third one. And I was just like, if I just would have went in at my own weight, like I probably would have done way better, but that took so long to learn. Um, there, there was, I think I missed weight at competition like three times in a row once. Like it was horrible. My coach was so mad. My teammates were like, what are you doing? Like I went into the lower weight class, missed weight. There was a competition like a month later, I went into the next highest weight class and then missed it at that one. And I was like, I need to rethink everything that I'm doing right now because something is not right. Um, and ever since then, like I just became more um, accepting of my body. And uh, like, if I want to eat, I'll eat. And then I'm just going to go in at the weight class that, that I'm in. Like you can change your weight class up into a week of the competitions. Um, and so like, it's, it doesn't pay because this last one that I was in for, um, Nogi worlds, I had my match at my, my weight class. And then the open weight classes, um, there was girls who were heavier and, um, lighter. And the toughest match I had was a girl who was lighter. So you never can tell, I guess it well, was just, a mindset I just change. So when I was a kid, um, for people who don't aren't familiar with the sport or jujitsu or wrestling or anything, um, it's divided up into weight classes. And then um, when I was a kid, if you were under 18, they didn't separate the genders. It was just mm -hmm. go for it. And for under me, 18. That, under 18. So that sucked because I was like 125 since like I was 13 I've been 5'4 and 120 you know like you know so I'm like this little kid and I'm grappling like you know like 16 17 year old guys that have yeah. like beards and, um, and, but then when they separate that at the points it was by gender so I was always like what the fuck I'm not getting credit for beating up these 17 year old guys like if I look at the points I would be fifth in the men's. What, what's going on? <laughs> I come on my credit. But uh, but basically, because they have weight classes, everyone always wants to, you know, your weight class might be, say it's 125 to 130. And this is for the people listening. I know you know this. <laughs> so say it's 125 <laughs> to 130. Uh, it's better to, if you weigh 125, to try to get down to 124.5 and be in the the top of the weight class below you than to be in the bottom of your weight class because then you're going to be fighting people that are 130 and they're you know there could be five pounds more muscle you have to compete against so most people try to cut weight as far as they can and um 
this especially hap is a big problem in high school wrestling uh, because you know they'll they'll just sit they'll dehydrate themselves to the point where they're just sitting in class spitting into a a water bottle or they're um, you know wearing sauna suits to sweat the weight out and it's since I was a kid it's gotten a little bit better with the nutrition but it's still like super dangerous and I just feel like if they had some sort of like measurement where like they could measure like your how much water you had in your body or something it would make it a lot safer because you're stunting your growth especially as a kid when you're cutting weight like that and when you go through these extreme uh, weight changes, and even as an adult, and especially for women, it's not good for your body at all. Yeah. And the fights would be better because everyone would be fighting at their peak performance. So that would be a bonus too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for women it's tough because I mean you go through that monthly cycle and sometimes it's easier to gain weight and sometimes or lose weight and sometimes it's impossible. Like you will retain water no matter what you do. And so I think you just have to be your healthiest. And so, like you said, like maybe someone has five pounds more muscle. And so what can you do on a permanent basis that will put you on a level that's equally, um, that's equal and that's to get in the best shape that you can be in. So like always eat proper and, you know, everyone's going to have cheat days and cheat meals. And, and I think you need that to keep your body uh, where it needs to be because your body's always going to crave things that you need. So sometimes it's going to be something that may not look like it's a perfect diet, but it's going to help your body get back on track, I think, and heal faster too. Because if you are not putting nutrition in your body and not being hydrated, like those small injuries can just grow and you're not going to recover as, as well as you would. That is very true with the injuries. Everyone in jujitsu has got <laughs> lifetime of injuries it's always like well this is broken this was broken and um I, I laugh because you, you start the week on Monday and then as you're rolling through the week you just develop bruises and so by Friday um your legs look like they've been through the ringer and then you finally if you don't like sometimes I take off Saturday and Sunday and so by Monday it's like okay now it's fresh again to get them all danged up so Yep, my, I think I still have bruises from <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> well, your arm probably still has some effects after being broken. Does oh, it? yeah, it's like the rotation's off. But an interesting thing is since I started when I was a kid and I was growing, um, I have like extra flexibility in my elbows from being arm parts so much. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like it's supposed to, like it goes a little bit far. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that's just from being on board so much. <laughs> oh my God. That's like funny or like abuse in some way, I'm sure. <laughs> but <laughs> my arm was broken with an arm bar before. And so mine like probably doesn't have as much flexibility or like every time it gets in this one weird position, it like sends me through the roof. And so that's just like an after effect of, of uh, getting injured. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Yeah. But at the same time, like not to scare anyone, it's great sport and it's better yeah. than like, <laughs> to me, it's better. I mean, growing up, we did a lot of uh, like MMA, like learning how to like box and stuff in the gym, but we weren't allowed to compete in it because we were too young. Um, 
so I probably got like hit in the head more than I should have. But, <laughs> but the good thing about jujitsu is that you're not, uh, you know, you're not punching and kicking and stuff. So the brain injury risk is pretty low. So yeah. And we, my coach, um, has a thing where every, like on Saturdays he'll slow us down and he calls it chess. And so we'll go super slow, like one movement, just one movement. Like I go one movement, you go one movement and it slows your brain down to start thinking about what to do next, as opposed to just kind of free flying all over the place. So I think it's a really good concept. Um, it's more like an art in your head, like to beat them you know, not, not academically, but more like intellectually as opposed to physically. Now, that's one of the reasons why I love jujitsu because I, uh, I hate working out. Like I hate it. <laughs> and when you're doing jujitsu, it's like your brain is so active. You're not worried about how tired your body is. And especially when you're grappling, even if you are worried about how tired your body is, it's not going to stop the other person from coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't stop. <laughs> and I just don't think you can get a better cardio workout because even if you're running or you're doing the Stairmaster, which, you know, I can do all the time. Once you're in a match with someone and their body weight is on you, like the cardio that it takes is just a completely different ball game. And nothing can prepare you for it except, you know, just, keep practicing uh rolling and with other people yeah that's true that's why i'm uh my brother just finished his tournament he talked about cutting weight he uh went down to 139 pounds and he's 5'11 i'm like bro oh don't do that and then he shows me a picture though of like the guy he fought like he beat and uh he was really excited to get the uh, the Naga belt. They didn't have those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, he did the the other guy did the exact same thing, and that's where I'm like with this cutting weight stuff. But it's a yeah. you know to be on sharp with that is great because it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Like that's a cool you know that's not muscling so. And I think some tournaments probably are trying to shy away from the cutting because some of them will make you weigh in and then go right out and compete. And so it's super hard for you to cut weight and then you go right out. You're obviously so weak because you're still not hydrated. You have like a span of maybe 10 minutes from the time you weigh in until you're out on the mat. Uh, whereas other tournaments will allow you to weigh in the night before and then you can kind of rehydrate so it's a little bit easier to cut weight in some of those yeah we always have day of weigh-ins and um i tried to cut weight once and like my as a kid my diet was awful oh sorry noelle's coming in it's uh getting home from work so Edit this part out. Hi, Noel. Hey, how you doing? From New Jersey, if you couldn't tell. How you doing? Wow, really? Wow, really? <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania, so it's right next door. What? I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. What part of Pennsylvania? Reading. It's near Philly. Oh, I lived in Philly for a while, yeah. Yeah, um, did you like it? I loved it. I lived in uh, like West Philadelphia. Now it's more like U Penn, 
like bought it basically i feel like <laughs> but uh 45th and chester that was where i lived that was great. i went to the restaurant school at walnut hill college in oh you did yeah in philly they have some great food there have you ever tried a philly cheesesteak <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, not the same out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. But I went to a pastry when I was at pastry school. Um, Pat Oliveri, who owns, uh, not Pat, sorry, Frank Oliveri, who owns, he owns Pat Steaks, but he's, I think, the grandkid or the great grandkid of the actual guy, Pat. Uh -huh. um, so he was like in my class because he decided he wanted to um you know like level up pat steaks and make sure like it's going to uh -huh. be good for the future and everything so it was really cool to uh like just have him around you know <laughs> yeah because he had so much insight in like how to run a business too so that was really cool yeah because i'm sure from the time he could like do anything he was shoved in the business helping out and things like that Family yep. businesses, they start you super young. <laughs> so that was cool. So Pat's is better than Gino's, if anyone's asking. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and I would love the the Reading Terminal Market was also pretty cool. Speaking of Reading. Yeah, the best food. And we had like the uh, farmer's markets where you go and have like the fresh food cooked. It was so good. I miss that. That's probably the thing that I miss the most is the food and, and things like that, like the home cooking type of food. Yeah, I don't. How's the food in Nevada? It's okay. It's good. It's good. But there's a lot of like chain restaurants. So like yeah. for the middle, like the middle kind of dining out it's a lot of the chain restaurants like the higher end dining they have great dining in the casinos and things like that but where I'm from there was more like mom and pops shops and and they probably are around but I just don't know as much since since I'm not from here my whole life I have the same problem I'm in uh Florida now West West Palm so it's like all chain restaurants I find some of like a couple gems here and there but like it you really have to like look you know and uh no I'm not haven't found any good Italian food yet except for the stuff I make because like oh I love Italian food <laughs> <laughs> so, but. are you what are you focusing on today or like well, actually, uh, today I am trying to get my stuff together. I'm entering a competition my friend Maria told me about. It's called the Greatest Baker Competition. Um, so I'm gonna, I was trying to like take a good picture for that. <laughs> but uh, there's some other uh, requirements, like I have to set up like the whole profile thing. So that'll be coming out i think october 27th i start like hey vote for me that kind of stuff oh, um, but the grand prize is ten thousand dollars and a spread yeah. in bake magazine and like i could use ten thousand dollars right now so <laughs> my uh i like i lost both my jobs um when COVID happened i was a international flight attendant and um 
I was working as a chef instructor at Sur La Table. I was teaching pastry classes. And luckily, probably in like two weeks, I'm going to, it's not going to be as many classes as it was, but I'll be able to go back to teaching a little bit um, in West Palm at Sur La Table, if anyone wants to buy a class. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, to- you in person or is it on, on like Zoom? No, it's in person. It's oh. uh, at the store. Um, they were going to close the store and then like last minute, like they took all the products out of the store and everything. The store has a, they just built it. It opened last around last Thanksgiving and, um, brand new kitchen. Like we would have like, it was like 16 people in a class, but now with COVID we're only going to have like eight, but they had taken everything out of the store. They were you know, the going out of business sales were happening and stuff. And like last minute, the corporate called and was like, no, we're going to keep your store open. And everyone's like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> yeah, COVID has been quite a fiasco for a lot of people. So <clears throat> I work in education. So it's kind of been a blessing that I still, you know, have that consistency with the job. But what do you do in education? So I started as a counselor, as High school counselor and now I coordinate uh we have a magnet program at our school so I'm the coordinator of that which is kind of cool yeah yeah so at our school kids can actually get uh their private pilot license before they graduate high school which is pretty awesome what yeah <laughs> like they didn't have this when I was in high well when I went to high school I went to um a Catholic school in my small town. I think there was like 450 kids in the whole school. And then I come out here and there's like 400, more than 450 kids in one grade level of class. And I'm like, well, culture shock, you know, but um, they, they have some great stuff uh, in education now for kids coming up. So, okay. So people listening are probably going to be like, Grace, why are you so like, oh my God, private, pi private pilot license? Yeah. Because it is so expensive to get your private pilot license. Um, when I was working, I was flying with Norwegian. They wanted to hire American pilots at one point. They had a Fort Lauderdale base for pilots. And one of their biggest problems was there's a shortage of pilots because nobody can afford to get their commercial license because first you have to get your private license mm -hmm. and it's like you know you have to pay the instructor like a couple hundred dollars an hour and then you need x amount of hours to get your license and everything so to have that in high school is yeah. and they pay for it or no it's usually about like eight to twelve thousand the kids um the school kicks in a certain amount and then there's different scholarships so we had like i think four kids last year or the year before go through it from start to finish for free that's amazing yeah good opportunities <laughs> and like also i mean people don't realize besides pilots like there's a shortage of airplane mechanics as well and um, that's what Noel is, he's going to take his test to be, but that is a very good paying job a couple years after you get into it. And if you think about it, like most of the people that are airplane mechanics right now are at the age where they're probably going to retire in the next five to 10 years. So if you're a young kid and you don't know yeah. what to do with your life. 
<laughs> check that out. And uh, there's not a lot of um, female airplane mechanics, but after like watching him do this kind of stuff, I feel like women would be great at it, not just because, you know, why not? But uh, Noel is, uh, he's six two or something. And when you're working on an airplane, you like it, crawl in the spots. Yeah, you got to crawl in all these tiny spots. This thing called the hell hole, which is like where all the wires and stuff are and whatnot. So if you're a tinier person, it actually works in your benefit. <laughs> and you have like tinier little hands to move all the wires and stuff. Like it's a really good thing to look into if you're a kid right now that doesn't know what they want to do with their life. Yeah. As, and like you said, especially because there aren't that many women who are into it. And so like, if you're looking for like a college program and you're a woman applying for it, like there's, there's a lot of opportunities for different scholarships out there. So. That's awesome. <laughs> there was something I was going to ask you before I got off topic, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, You'll think of it. I'll think of it. But you're so are you closer to Las Vegas then? Yeah, I'm in Las Vegas. What I'm like us, 10 minutes away from the strip, I think. Ten minutes away from the strip? I went to Las Vegas like once when I had like a layover there when I was flying. And it's a dangerous city, man. I was the hotel had free happy hour. So we were all done before we even went to this strip. <sighs> and all I remember was like I saw the Sphinx, one of the girls lost her shoe in the casino, and then we lost her. And then like, you know, we were dancing at the Coyote Ugly Bar thing. And then we went home, but it was just like, Las Vegas. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have many stories cause uh, I was older when I came out. So like uh, I already had um, one kid and then I got pregnant with my son a few months after we moved out here. So I wasn't like into like the club scene or anything like that. But I remember going out once with some friends and um, I think it was maybe, I don't know what casino it was, maybe win or something, but it was at a nightclub and um, they probably don't even have nightclubs because I forget, I don't know where it was, but he was so drunk. And then um, He's like, I had to go to the bathroom and like two hours later, finally like came out of the bathroom and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is why I never go out, you know, because like I didn't want to leave, just leave him there, but, but I, it's not like I could go in the men's bathroom to drag him out of the stall. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a fun night. <laughs> oh man. So what, why did you move to Nevada? We moved because of like my whole family moved, which, you know, doesn't usually happen. Like our whole family relocated, like aunts, uncles, grandma, everyone. We picked up, sold everything and moved out here for numerous reasons. So I was the first person in my family to go to college, uh, pretty much the only one at that point. So job opportunities. There were way more opportunities out here for everyone, like whether they worked in the casino, they did security, things like that. I mean, dealers out here make very good money. Um, so that was the first thing. And then just the weather, like it rained so much in Pennsylvania. And then it was always cold, like this 
summer was so short and then um, it was cold all the time, rainy, and then it was snowy. Um, and so now out here, like without the humidity, it's, it's way more um, easier on like your bones, I guess, and things like that. So like my grandmother, my mom, all the arthritis, it's now like kind of not as a, not as hurting them as much as it was before. So to, um, cause that was the other thing. It is the wild west of marijuana out there to your, does your family use like CBD and stuff for the arthritis pain? It's supposed to be really good. No, they, no, they don't. But I know like at the gym, a lot of people have the CBD ointment for injuries and stuff. And so even last night, like I got kind of injured and a friend of mine had like the CBD lotion or something. And he's like, try this, try this. And so, um, I, I don't have any of my own, but I think I might have to get some cause it was, it was super effective. Um, but they're, you know, they're kind of older, so they're, you know, set in their ways about stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I was open minded. That you know, like <laughs> yeah, I, I've been trying to. Uh, I I wrote a book on um, marijuana edibles um, because when I lived in Philadelphia, um, my boyfriend at the time had really bad PTSD. He was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, and they all like the whole community of veterans, like they all smoked weed. And I was like, but they all had like the problems of the, it helped them with their PTSD, but then they had the problems of just smoking something where like you're getting a yeah. cough, you have the yellow teeth, it doesn't look nice, you know? So um, I started making edibles for them. And then I wound up writing a book about uh, like, you know, I just through that, I found like all the other health benefits. I was, then I was like cooking for people that had cancer and, you know, people like who's, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend's son has epilepsy or something. So um, I really got to see like the benefits of that. And then I was like, oh, I'm gonna write a book about this and try to advocate more about like education for it because it's good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've been seeing more and more like on social media, like you said earlier, like jujitsu doesn't give you like the traumatic brain injury as much, but I know like in MMA and boxing, like that does happen. And so I've seen more and more on their social media pages, like they're turning to that to help, um, to help ease their symptoms and things like that, even to sleep better at night and things like that. So well, also, I, I never really knew this when I was a kid, but like then as an adult, so many people in like the jujitsu community just smoke weed all the time <laughs> and it's so surprising because it doesn't fit the uh lazy stereotype of like a stoner they, these people are getting things done and like yeah. i don't even know what they would be like if they didn't have it <laughs> like <laughs> there's some days i could probably catch a contact high at the gym <laughs> yeah and <laughs> yeah. a kind of uh you know, to me, I also was thinking about that. And I was like, it's kind of a performance enhancer because you're suppressing your fight or flight uh, reflex. And then you're, you can think about the move you're going to do because it's like coming to you in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like tunnel vision focuses you more. <laughs> oh, man. So, but it's pretty cool. All right.
see that. I didn't see him leave. I just saw him come twice now. <laughs> I didn't see him leave either. I'm really confused. <laughs> like, wait a second. When did you leave? About when you tour. Do that tour? Yeah, do that tour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw him come twice and I'm like, whoa. I thought we have the patio door over there, so I thought maybe you went around, but apparently not. Apparently, we're just two in our conversation. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to have to look up some of your matches now. I'm so curious. I made a little playlist on the uh, thing. There's one where it's me and this girl, Amy Torton, and we were always um, like, for, like one of us was first and one of us were second, like throughout the year in the point system. And this is like in 2004, 2005. So like, you know, you had to go online and <laughs> refresh and like, did yeah, they put yeah. away points yet? <laughs> but uh, the way the point system worked, even though she was one or, and I was two or what, vice versa, we actually never fought each other before. So, because she would, I was in New Jersey and she was in some of the tournaments in New Jersey, I remember, because she was a, like a sponsored fighter, one of like the local, oh. it was like, it was like a food thing. It was like nutritional, it was like before uh, ACI, ACI, the berry thing. Yeah, yeah. Before that was like a thing, like they were doing it <laughs> and, and they would like have uh, samples and stuff and um, she would wear their so shirt. That's like the must have jujitsu tournament treat too. Yeah. So they started it, I guess. <laughs> it was uh, Casa Grossa or something. But um, so she was like, you know, the star, their sponsor or whatever. They're, uh, I don't know what you call that. She was, yeah, but anyway, um, so, but then she turned 18 and I was still like, it was 13 turning 14 or something. I was trying to get the dates from, uh, that guy, Ty, who has the channel that all our videos are on. Um, but he didn't have them. Cause I'm trying like, it's just so, uh, like can jumbled up in my brain of like all these different matches. Like, I don't remember how old I was and uh, some of them but so I was probably 13 or 14 and I was in Jersey City and I decided that I can't let her go and go into the women's thing I never fought her we're never gonna know who's who's the best one <laughs> that was a large gap at that age oh yeah yeah I was definitely an idiot but <laughs> but uh <laughs> So I somehow I convinced my coach to let me fight in the women's division just to go try to fight her. Uh huh. And I don't I don't think I had to like do well in my matches earlier in the day or something because the adults were always later. Yeah. And um, for some reason there were only like three people. It was like her and. In Naga, like they kind of just like pick who goes like against each other. So I get up to the mat and they call her up and then there's, they could either call me up 
or they could call out this lady who was like she still gives me nightmares the scariest looking lady i've ever seen she had she had love tattooed on her knuckles oh no like buzz cut she was she was ripped like and i was just like you know if she goes in with this girl i might not get to fight amy and then i have to fight this lady (laughs) (laughs) and then you're you're under her oh my gosh yeah so luckily the guy looks at her it looks at me looks back at her and he's like okay you can go (laughs) so I got to fight her and um I had been I wasn't practicing this move like for this match but I was practicing it because I just thought it looked really cool it was uh I don't I think they call it an anaconda now the back in like 2000 the early 2000s like all the names of moves were different because Brazilian jiu-jitsu wasn't like the only jiu-jitsu it was like um so we would even like think we made up a new a new move and like give it our own name <laughs> yeah so I think it's called like the anaconda now I think we were calling it the gator roll though but basically I got the anaconda from standing and like flipped over and did it and I was like I got it in the match was so excited that I got it that like didn't didn't even like like tried to finish it so hard even though like I had lost the the choke and everything it went into like a reverse triangle choke arm triangle choke and uh i didn't like get the leg so it was kind of like you should give up and do try something else <laughs> but i just like used all my energy on that and then gassed out and then she just like tapped me with something else <laughs> like darn it relate to that oh my gosh like you get so excited and you're in the moment and then you're not like aware of what's still happening I know when when I said about my arm being broken before um it was like a nogi match too it was nogi worlds I think probably maybe 2017 and we start off and I am horrible at takedowns like my knees aren't that great and so like the level change that is needed for them is just you know it's it's not the smoothest for me so uh, start off the match get a takedown score two points so I'm up two points I'm like in my head I'm like yay like I just got a takedown and then um she like wrapped up my arm and I wasn't like totally I did the wrong thing like I go the wrong way then I like stand up to get out of it instead of like going down and trying to stack her. And like a few seconds later, it's like crack, 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 crack. And so I'm like, ah, the one time I get an amazing takedown and then my arm gets broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> But then so- at the end of the day though, like I was still like, I knew I lost, but I wasn't that upset because I was just so excited that I got that one move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the same thing with my story. Like, uh, yeah, you got your arm broke. Yes, but I had a beautiful takedown first. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to capitalize on what counts. Yeah. But, so great. And you also, you just learn so much too when you lose like that. <clears throat> like you're never going to get that, get caught like that again. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like I remember my one blue belt match. Um, I lost... I just could, I think it was called spider guard. Like they wrap you around. I could not pass this girl's guard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And I was so upset, like in my performance. 
performance after, but it totally turned something on in my head. Like I need to train differently. I will not let that happen again. You know, like fix the holes in your game. And it made me way more competitive. So I'm actually kind of glad it happened. So they, you know, they have the saying like, oh, you never lose, you learn. And I think it's perfect if you actually take that and it actually means something to you. Like if that's how you go about stuff, because you can dwell on your losses or you can learn from them and become better and come out better. And I mean, when I first started, I lost all the time. There was this one, uh, one kid, I think his name is Sergi, and he uh, was like my size, basically, and he beat me every single time. And I just, but I just kept going and going and going. And then I beat him once and he never beat me again. <laughs> and I was just like, like, that's all it takes. Like sometimes it just has to click and you have to keep going. It's like problem solving really. Yeah. Um, it's a great, it's a great feeling. My match that in December, how I said I had one match in my division so I had this match in my division and it was the girl that I had just gone against for another competition a few months prior and she won. And so like mentally, I was kind of a little defeated before it even started. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to go like that again. But you know, I was training and so um, it just started off way different. And then I managed to get on top and I felt so strong after, well, not cutting weight one, <laughs> and then, you know, just training better in the gym and, and becoming healthier myself. And so then I ended up winning. And so that match was, that division would, was one person, but it meant so much more than like the open weight with three people, three different matches, because I was like, oh, like I really felt like I had grown as a competitor and as an athlete after coming back from feeling awful, like horribly defeated, you know, the first time we went, so. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, I think I have to get going. But <laughs> um, what is the name of your jujitsu school? So it's under uh, Fretzen Pachau. He okay. is the instructor where it's uh, Roku training okay um so just make sure you're like i have no idea how to spell that so <laughs> i will email it to you i'll put all the information in the links below and uh yeah. do you have anything yeah else anyone in watch? vegas should stop by and come in and pop in for a training session <laughs> yeah and uh i'll put the links to my matches i guess <laughs> yeah I mean, I wish I would have started as a teenager. I, you know, I started karate like at 16, but I was 33 when I started jujitsu. So, I mean, it's such a huge difference. I wish I would have started as a teenager. And I think, you know, for all those parents out there, when you start your girls at jujitsu young, um, it's just, it's going to give them so much more confidence and they're not going to be, like, I never feel, I feel like it taught me that, men and women one isn't better than the other that we're all individuals and we're all people because when you're a kid and nobody's really got any testosterone going on yet or anything mm -hmm. um it's really mind versus mind you know because basically you have the same strength and everything and it's a level playing field so I feel like it just really showed me that I can do anything that I've man can do for the most part you know <laughs> maybe not you know but 
definitely kick their butts that's and really also you don't get that weird like i'm afraid to touch some like you know yeah which is annoying but yeah i, I understand <laughs> if you never yes no. that's why i'm trying to get my daughter over right now i'm like it's okay you know like it's all right and it's a totally different environment like the way people grab you, like if it's outside of jujitsu, like it's hmm, kind of weird, but like inside, it's not like in a sexual manner or anything like that. It's just for training purposes. And so, and you, know, you just also get... when it is, when it is inappropriate in jujitsu, it's very obvious. Yeah. And it's, you know, you just call that people on their shit and no, like nobody is going you're not in the wrong. Like nobody's gonna be like, "Oh, he didn't mean it." And be like, "No, he fucking meant it." Like, get the fuck out of right. here. Right? Like, yeah. You just, like, there's no, there's zero tolerance for that bullshit. Yes. Yeah. So. And like, my coach is super observant. So like, especially when like the younger girls are rolling, like he would be on top of that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And even before they start, like, don't do anything inappropriate or things like that. So. And yeah. honestly, I always had the advantage because I wasn't afraid. And then if I fought a guy in a tournament they're like in the beginning they're like a little yeah. bit afraid but then once you start beating them they're like no this yeah. isn't a girl anymore this right? is a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they just stop seeing your gender and they just see a different athlete staring next to them that they need to do what they need to do exactly so it, that's i like it because of that too all right well good talking to you and just uh, good talking to you too i would like you to come back on once the program starts really yeah fun. that'd be awesome yeah that'd be fun right. yeah i'm gonna go watch your matches so when i email you the info um email me back uh if you have extra links that'd be awesome all right, <laughs> all right. have a great day you too